0: Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings,
1: the Arizona Cardinals.
0: Yeah, we jump into hour number two on this Thursday, day three of Newsmakers Week here on Arizona Sports. Our pleasure to welcome the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, Monty Ossenfort, into the studios. Monty, thanks for making time for us. I We know how busy a time it is for is. You're always busy as a GM, but right now especially, so we appreciate
1: it. Yeah, thank you guys. It's, uh, first time I've been in your studio. Exciting to be here, you know, not on the phone with you guys. So yeah. it's, uh, it's great to be here with you guys it's a uh, it's an exciting time for us and um, you know we're ready to keep this offseason rolling here uh,
2: all right before we look forward one thing looking back because it occurs to me and we've talked about this a lot that for a four win five win football team um, you guys did a great job of laying down a new foundation a new culture charting a new path what did you accomplish in your perspective last season yeah I think
1: I think the big thing Dan is a you know we wanted to put together a culture of you know really the expectations for not only our players for our coaches for our staff um, you know it, we, we went into the offseason last year looking for a certain type of player um, and we feel like we added a good group of rookie players and you know that continued with our staff working with the players that were already here and the new players that we brought in and we felt like we made progress we made progress um, schematically we made pro- progress culturally um, and really I think at this point everyone in our organization knows what's expected of them from you know from staff all the way down to players and and that's a big step and that's a big step for us and you know I think the the results last year didn't always show but we do feel like we did make progress in terms of the the competitive nature of our team and and we feel like we were in uh, most if not all the games we played and so we felt like we started off with a good foundation to build into going to the next year.
0: Yeah I I think the hallmark of the 2023 Cardinals and, and Bick mentioned it only four wins to show for it but around the league people noticed this team plays really hard. Maybe you're not going to win the game, but you, you're going to know you played the Arizona Cardinals. I'm curious, uh, and you said that's certain type of player you're looking for. Uh, how much of that, uh, you know, bleeds down to the the to coaching
1: staff. It's gotta be a, you know, a, a full team effort to get that kind of buy in, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that starts with communication um, among our staff. And we just we have to lay out exactly uh, the type of players that we're looking for. Mature, accountable, dependable players that, that really the, the, the thing that's at the top of their list and top of all of our lists is, is winning. And that's that's what it all boils down to. And and when we win and when we have success, that's when uh, personal success comes, you know, with that. And so you know, I think having that clear communication with the entire staff and, and making that known to players of what the expectations are and, and laying out just how that each person's role leads into us being successful. You know, I think, I think that is all wrapped up. And then that, that's whether we're talking about players, starters, backups, but it's staff, it's coaching, mm-hmm. it's scouts, it's trainers, it's, it's the entirety of the football operations. And so, you know, the more that we can clearly communicate that vision, uh, that's when, that's when we establish what we refer to as a culture
2: no it now this is kind of your time to shine um outside of the season you've got free agency and of course you've got the draft you've got a lot of capital in that draft outline how are you are looking at this process do you expect to be active in free agency are you going to use one to supplement the other with broad-based look at what your what your viewpoint is going forward
1: yeah and i think i think this off season has been you know it's been, it's been refreshing since you know last year was such a whirlwind you know everything was new and um, i had really been here for about a month last year and we were a couple weeks into having JG on board and so you know we were trying to play catch up and we were you know trying to implement processes and so this year you know really the timeline of everything that we've been doing has been in place so you know last week we had a week of our out of town scouts we're in and we had our week of draft meetings this week um, this morning actually I'm going to go in we're going to finish up unrestricted free agency meeting with, with the coaches next week we'll be in Indianapolis so you know our processes and timelines are now laid out in the order that they should be it should be laid out in and so you know we have there's a couple there's multiple different times during the year for roster construction and times to improve our roster and two of the biggest are coming up here in the next couple months first with free agency and second with the draft and so you know ultimately the the draft has got to be where we build and where this team forms the foundation of what we're going to be moving forward it's it's the the place where we get the most swings at it and we we get to pick and choose the players that we want. Um, Free agency is also another big area where we are definitely going to be active in free agency. You know, what does that mean? You know, I I can't spell that out for you right now. I don't know what that means, like, because we don't completely control that, right? Uh, there's there's a market and there's players that we think are going to be available right now that two weeks from now are not going to be available. So you know free agency is full of unknowns in that respect. And also you know there's there's dangers in free agency. You know the free agency, uh, the nature of free agency is uh, it's you end up overpaying. And mm-hmm. That's that's how it works. Uh-huh. It's full of uh, there's full of mistakes. Now that's not to say that there's not there's not pl- things that you can fix there, right? And so we are going to b- take our chances, and we, there will be times where we uh, find ways to supplement our roster, but ultimately we're going to build this team and, and what we're going to be moving forward, we're going to build this thing through the draft.
0: Monty for General Manager of the Arizona Cardinals, our guest here during Newsmakers Week. You said, you know, a lot of work to be done, obviously, in terms of this doorstep of, of roster construction, but you can go on any website around the country and see Arizona Cardinals' list of needs. How do you see the list of needs as the architect of this team?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, like, we have a lot of needs. We do. And that's, uh, you know, that's a, a a product of just the nature of the nfl every year there's turnover on the roster um you know we have our own group of free agents that we have to work on bringing back and uh you know we have to see if there's other free agents out there that we think would be a better fit for us moving forward so you know i do think that hey we have plenty of room for improvement um you know to say specifically you know i i'd say uh we're, we're never going to turn down good players. And so, like, I don't think we're in a position right now to say, hey, we're just going to target this, we're going to target that. We're going to go look at talented players that fit what we're trying to do, both culturally and also on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, our, our list of needs is good players that fit us.
2: I thought uh, your quarterback, Kyler Murray, took a lot of strides last year. I think people who have seen him from day one saw the, the, the mental maturity, the process that is taking place, uh, the, the trust that he has in you guys the ability to play the position under center. What is your evaluation of him now going into this season? How permanent is that? What, what do you make of what you have at quarterback right now?
1: Yeah, I think from the from the day I got here, I mean, I've been nothing but impressed with Kyler. Um, Kyler, the way that he attacked his rehab last year um, in this time of year, in the offseason, to the springtime when he was continuing his rehab and he, was, and he was at the same time balancing that with the mental part of the game and learning in the classroom, even though he couldn't be out on the grass, and that continued through training camp in the first half of last season, and then ultimately, to getting him back out on the field last year, where, you know, especially, the, you know, the last eight games he played, particularly with those last four games, you know, really stepped up and showed what Kyler can do. I mean, he's a he's a very talented player that, that it's a dual threat with his arm and his legs, um, puts a lot of stress on the defense, um, you know, so I would say just from him, I've, I've been nothing but impressed with what he's he has done in our building, and it, it continues to right now. Kyler's in the building right now, every day, working, continuing to rehab. I mean, that, that was a tough injury that he mm-hmm. came back from. I mean, that's 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 hard, and especially on someone like Kyler, who relies on his legs, you know, that that takes a while to get there mentally. And so, you know, there's usually, a, with those types of injuries, you know, players come back a year later, but really, the big jump that they come back from is that second year. Um, that is still, you know, we kind of gloss over, oh, it's an ACL, he'll be back. like. That is a hard, that is a hard injury to come back from both physically and maybe even more so mentally. So, you know, we're looking forward to what Kyler can even grow upon what he did last year. But extremely happy we have Kyler right now
0: and moving forward. Cardinals GM, Monty Austin Ford, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Fourth overall pick in the draft. An area of need is wide receiver. It's a good wide receiver draft. I'd love to get your thoughts, Monty, on the guys at the top of this class, Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all three of those guys are very t- talented players, you know, and I think, um, you know, we're sitting there at four, um, you know, obviously it's not, we don't like being at four, right? We don't Mm want to be at four again. And unfortunately uh, we're at four this year, but that also provides opportunities, right? And so, you know, we're going to sit there and we're going to, whether it's a wide receiver who those three guys that you mentioned are all three very talented players. There's no question. Um, You know, we're going to, we, we look at every position in the draft and we're going to, um, we're, we're in the middle of that process right now. And we'll get more time to spend with those guys and, and all the players at the combine next week. I'm really excited for that week. Um, but what we're gonna you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna evaluate the entirety of the draft and we're gonna make the best decision when it comes to that pick. Whether that's you know I think we showed last year you know our propensity is to when that phone rings we're gonna listen mm-hmm. and so we're gonna have an opportunity to sit there and and pick who we deem to be the the you know worthy of the fourth pick or you know we're gonna and if the phone rings and somebody's got an offer for us to move up to move back like those are all things that we're going to consider
2: there are so many ways to miss on a draft pick you know that being in the industry you can you can overthink things you can look at too much data you can you know fail to project properly what do you focus on when you get into this process now? And you and you've got these swings of the bat. What what is it that is foundational to you to avoid making those misses?
1: Yeah, and I think I think with that, it's. Uh, I mean, I'd love to sit here and tell you that I'm I'm going to bat a thousand, you know, from draft picks, and it's just not reality. There's just it's just not going to happen. And so, you know, I think with with anything, um, we always talk about it is any player evaluation that we're trying to do. It's it's a it's a pie, right? And so. there's a bunch of different things that go into each piece of that pie and I'd say the vast majority of that is always gonna go back to the game tape okay and so that's ultimately it's gonna go back to hey what does this guy do when he's actually playing football now there's a lot of other things that we use to paint the picture of the player there's um, there's the combine workouts there's the pro day workouts there's the interview with the player when we get to sit down and and talk to him when our coaches get to sit down and talk to him Um, there's the medical which is a huge piece and so Really what we're trying to do is we're trying to fill in that pie with all these pieces and we're probably two thirds of the way there right now. We'll fill in most of that the next couple weeks in the combine and through the pro day process. And then really the month of April is then we take a step back and we look at it in totality and we have all these pieces and we try to uh, make the best decision that we can based on all the information that we collected. And we try to get our, you know, our, the pulse of what the player is and their makeup and, and what. The- just how they're going to be if they're in our building every day. Um, And, you know, that's not easy. That's not easy to do. And so, you know, we're going to try to paint that picture of what we think each
2: player is and then at the end of the day, make the best decision. Real quick, though, how do you know what guy is going to fight in December when he's on a bad team? Because a lot of people always say, I want the guys that love football. How do you really know? Yep. And I think that goes back to, are
1: they showing it on the tape? Okay. Because you can say, you can sit across from me and tell me anything you want to do. Mm -hmm. But in the end, are you doing it on the tape? And then when we meet the player and when we sit across from him, does that match? What they're telling us, does that match what they said they're doing on the tape? Yeah. And so if those two match, you know, we're rolling and we feel good. <laughs> if those don't match, yeah, gotcha. we got some more work to do. Before we let you go, one more rewind question.
0: Uh, going back to your first year at the helm of, of this organization, Monty, is there a moment that you're most proud of, uh, a fond memory, or just something that the team accomplished that you, you took into the offseason as a real point of pride?
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, there's, there's nothing in this business that, that beats – Winning, mm-hmm. and so I would say any one of those four victories that we had, particularly those those victories in um, in December, Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania, yeah. yeah, when we had two good uh-huh. wins there in Pittsburgh and uh-huh. Philly, and you know winning. Winning football games, it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It, there is a lot that goes into it from a lot of different people, from the, the number of hours that go in through from players to coaches to staff and ultimately goes into three hours on Sunday to de- deem whether we were successful or not. And so any time that we were able to walk off that field, that—that uh, that is a testament to what our staff has done, mm-hmm. what our players have done. And ultimately, we're trying to do that much more next year yeah. in 2024 than what we did in 2023.
0: Monty, thanks again so much for uh, making the time for us at a busy time for you, and hopefully we can chat again real soon. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Love to do it again. Monty Asenfort, General Manager of the Arizona Cardinals, our guest during Newsmakers Week here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Thanks again to Monty Austin-Fort from the Arizona Cardinals joining us in studio for Newsmakers Week, uh, which continues later this hour. Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, will join us. We'll hear from Jerry Colangelo, Josh Bartlestein, Jay Perry, who's the president and CEO of the Final Four host committee, and Latasha Causey, president of Phoenix Raceway, coming up uh, before we're done on day three.
2: It, it's a fascinating question that we uh, posed Amon Austin for it, because, uh, and clearly he's not going to tip his hand because there's there's no information in front of him. But when you look at the wide receivers and you mentioned three guys to him, there are people like me who believe uh, all three of those guys are excellent prospects. Only one of them is worthy of being taken fourth overall, in my opinion. Only one. One of them is the entire package of speed and intelligence and size to, to, to warrant a number four overall. So you have to ask yourself, if you're the Cardinals, can you afford a luxury item like that? Can you can you use a fourth overall pick? on a wide receiver in hopes that that guy is going to just finish and make the Cardinals offense unstoppable next year you can paint a scenario where that would be the case because we we saw last year that there are some things on offense that look real intriguing but we know the yes. Cardinals and we know that smart football men like Monty Asenfort they believe in building uh, from the inside out building lines first because everything can fall into place after that if you've got a if you've got an elite defense and offensive line, you're going to be in almost every football game you play as long as you have enough quarterback. And and that sort of was the theory of the Eagles. It worked for them until it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting. He made it very clear. Listen, I'm an answer the phone kind of guy. Yeah, Unlike per- Jared, you call Jared. He's not. He might he might pick it up. He might not.
0: Or a text guy.
2: A text guy. <laughs> right. 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 So so but Monty's an answer the phone kind of guy. And if any and if we he proved anything during last year's draft, it was the ability to okay. Let's Let's go. Let's 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 yes. wheel and deal. Do you remember? We got two minutes. I got this. You remember his reaction after his first draft? Oh, I think he, he used like, the
0: word fun. Wow, that was fun. Yeah, right, right. And he did wheel and deal. Yeah. And now the results of that wheeling and dealing have this stockpile of draft pick for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And Monty made it clear with us that's how you build the backbone of your football team. And let's just play hypotheticals here on that wide receiver position at at number four. Mm-hmm. Let's say the quarterbacks do go one, two, three in any order. Williams, May, and, and Daniels, and the Cardinals are on the clock at four. Guess what? Monty Osunforn uh, is going to have the opportunity to do one of two things: draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four, or do just that—pick up the phone and listen, <clears throat> because there's going to be teams coming out of the woodwork if if the rest of this process goes well for Harrison, yeah. which I think it will. He's going to be teams coming out of the woodwork trying to move up to get him because he's been he's been described as a generational. That's right.
2: That's exactly right. And there are teams that are that feel like they're just a wide receiver away. Now, um, here's one of the things that that I'm excited about. And and as it applies to Monty, when I look at Jonathan Gannon, I've been very um, I've I've been very uh, encouraged and I've praised Jonathan Gannon a lot uh, over his first a uh, year on the job for a couple of different reasons. He's been consistent. He has great communication skills meaning he he over informs players. He lets them know everything that's happening and why and he's got he's got some emotional control to him which I think really plays well as a head coach. But 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 when you watch Jonathan Gannon, it he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that is going to motivate through words. Like he doesn't have that Dan Campbell kind of thing in him, right? So what that oh tells God. us (laughs) Well, yes, but what it tells me is that you've got the right kind of football player that doesn't need that extra artificial stimulation to keep them motivated, to keep them um, engaged. To the end of games, to the end of seasons. Uh, look, we've seen enough bad football teams. You you see how fast it falls apart when you got the wrong kind of guys on your team. Yeah. And and so what the Cardinals did last year, especially with an underfunded defense, really tells me that they're hitting way more than they're missing on the character of the guy, the fight in the guy. Yeah. And everybody talks about I'm going to draft football players who love football, and yet those guys still make a lot of mistakes. And and Monty's been really good about that and you can he kind of explained why. That I, I take great solace in that. Um, for this football team to fight the way they did given their record last year, to finish with three games of two hundred or more rushing yards in, that, in, in the mean, last month, it's Four insane. victories.
0: But three of them came against playoff teams. Yeah. I just looked it up. The Kansas City Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl mm-hmm. in the regular season had eleven wins. Do you know how many playoff teams they beat during their eleven wins in the regular season? One <laughs> is that right? The Cardinals had three yeah. times as many wins against mm-hmm. playoff teams in the regular season than the chiefs, yeah,
2: <laughs> so listen, they they've got a chance now to be that team next year to be that worst to not first might be a stretch, but worst to playoff team. they the, yeah. I, I think it's definitely within their reach and and that that's got to be
0: their goal, but to your point too, and and, and Monty Aenfort kind of illustrated this, and you said it. Everybody's going to tell you when you're sitting sitting across from them Mm -hmm. at a table, whether you know you're meeting with an agent, free agent, or you know during the draft. I love football. I love football. Football. It's not an interview. No, you love money. Be honest. It's
2: an investigation. It is. You have to investigate these guys to find out. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's very, very because true. Because there are guys that are doing oh, it because they're good at it. And there's so, way, so many ways to miss on a football player. Yeah. <laughs> Especially so many you have a roster
0: that big, yep. too. Really enjoyed that uh, conversation with Monty Austin for it. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell will take us through the big stories of this Thursday morning in the Rush Hour reboot. Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports
1: leader. Bickley and Murata Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams.
3: Final stretch for the Suns, guys. It all starts tonight. 27 games left in the regular season for the Phoenix Suns. And we're going to talk about it here on the Rush Hour Reboot on Bickley and Marotta Mornings. I'm Sarah Gazelle with Dan Bickley. Hello. With Vince Marotta. Sarah. (laughs) It's just Sarah. (laughs) Sarah. 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 And Jared Carlin.
0: The commercial makes me laugh. He's the
1: oldest guy
3: on that team, in my opinion. Huh? In my opinion, well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's an opinion, opinionated guy, but yeah. Yeah, right. some things.
2: You can...
3: Well, let's just fact check it. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Well, how,
2: how about well, it? Jared's the oldest person on this show, in my opinion. Well, fair, look
1: at it
3: that way. Well, Vic,
2: strong point, strong point there. Okay, I stand corrected. All right,
3: the Suns are back from the All Star break tonight. They start out against Luka Doncic, probable. And the Mavs in Dallas. Bradley Beal is questionable for the Suns. He's only listed with his hamstring tightness, not his brand new nose. Uh, and for the Mavs, I don't know what's going on in Dallas, but the injury report has Luke Doncic, probable with a broken nose. Maxi Kleba, probable with a nasal fracture. Derek Lively, probable with a nasal fracture. Goodness gracious. Whoa, whoa, what are y'all whoa, whoa. up to is there? Out is there, there some
2: trolling going on here? I mean, what is that? I don't all know. About? did not, That's not the, even awesome. realize that yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Not since the 86 Mets He was it.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh. Hey. Probable hey. Deviated, deviated yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Is
3: that a bloody nose? Are you okay? Alright, we had Suns coach Frank Vogel On with us yesterday For Newsmakers Week And he said He could not be More excited For this sprint To the finish And by the finish I mean to the playoffs
4: and Every game's gonna feel Like a playoff game You know, quite frankly I mean, yeah, there, there are There are a ton of a really good teams. Uh, we saw last year when a team like the Dallas Mavericks with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic doesn't even make the play-in tournament. Just just how um, how close these, these races will become. Uh, there will be a team this year that you know has super high expectations that doesn't make the playoffs, you know, or, or doesn't make the play-in even, you know. And um, you know that's why every game matters. So you got to come out of the gate strong and, and win as many games as possible.
3: Okay, so talking about the strength of the of the West, some of the good teams who deserve to be playoff teams won't be this year and according to Tankathon, the Suns have the toughest remaining schedule in the NBA when it comes to opposing winning percentage the right. group includes the top three teams in the East the Celtics the Cavs the Bucks and the top four teams in the West the Timberwolves the Thunder the Clippers and the Nuggets when you guys look at the rest of the Suns schedule how confident are you that the Suns will be able to avoid the
2: play-in tournament I, I I remain fairly confident for a couple of different reasons. I do think the additions of Royce O'Neal and the the integration of Thaddeus Young might actually might actually give this defense some real teeth. Yeah. And and, and if that happens, that it might be lights out for anybody. Um, strength of schedule can be a misleading statistic. You never quite know what you are going to get in terms of injuries and matchups. But but there is no denying there is a lot of uh, heavy white fights ahead for the Suns. Mm-hmm. I, I just. I I just think that that they've got enough. They're in a good place. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna move up. I don't think they're gonna okay. get into four. But but I do think that they're gonna stay at five or six. Yeah, I, I'm
0: the way Bick phrased it. Fairly confident. I am too. And the the reason I fall on on that side of things. This team was put together for situations like this. When you have this much veteran talent and experience, this is when teams like that are supposed to thrive. So mm. that's what makes me fairly confident that they can. Now, again, the, the schedule, as you pointed out, Sarah, is, is really, really tough. Yep. But again, you, you, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best.
3: They do say that, don't they? They do say that. Yeah. yeah. The biggest <laughs> question
0: about tonight's game, though, that I don't think anybody has answered... Is our guy Kenneth Rowe going to be there?
3: Ooh, Kenneth Rowe. DM us on Instagram.
0: Has he been banned? We didn't, I don't think we
2: asked him if he was banned for life. Is he bringing a treadmill to the game? Luca, <laughs> oh here you go. Well, that's not very nice.
3: <laughs> All right. Let's get on to college football, actually. Uh, One of our conversations from day two of Newsmakers Week yesterday, we had on ASU football coach Kenny Dillingham, the ball of energy that is Kenny Dillingham. Mm -hmm. And Bic, you asked him how he is handling the turbulence of college football today as he tries to build up ASU's program. His reaction is getting a lot of attention across college football today. Here's what he said. Yeah, I think you got to hire people, one, that love coaching. I mean, at the end of the day, I joke around,
0: but you know how many people want my job? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know how many people want my assistant coach's jobs Uh and my analyst jobs and and the QB and the GA's jobs? So don't complain about what we do. You're blessed. There's a lot of negative of it, yes. But do you know how many people want to be a college football coach? I literally spent nine years of my life doing anything to become a coffee boy. So don't Fantastic. give me don't give me the oh it's hard to be a college coach right now. Yeah it's hard. Then quit. <laughs>
2: I uh, I've never been more optimistic about Kenny Dillingham than than yesterday. Yeah. Then not only the energy energy but the defiance. And listen, it's it, it it's it's really, really true in life. You've really got to try to find yourself uh, with a, a, among winning people, winners. Yes. And and that's kind of was my takeaway. I'm like, okay, this is a 33 year old cat who is on top of everything, and he's just not going to be stopped. Yeah. That was my takeaway.
0: But I, I think Kenny Dillingham is also onto something. Uh, we will see coaches quit. We've seen coaches quit.
3: Well, did you see what ESPN's Adam Schefter reported this morning? I, that? I did not see it. USC running backs coach Kiel McDonald is heading to the Chargers to be their running backs coach. Schefter, quote, tweeted his own report and said, A trend that has emerged this winter, many college coaches are tired of the transfer oh. portal, the yep. NIL money, and the new NCAA world, and they prefer to work in the NFL. Many college coaches have already left, and many more want to. But Jeff Will-
0: Hafley left Boston College as their head coach to take an assistant job in Green Bay, and, and sources close to that said he was tired of dealing with all the... The stuff that he had to deal with, and he just wants to focus on football. And I think Chip Kelly falls into that category too. I don't think you're going to see Chip Kelly on the recruiting trail in in Columbus, Ohio. Don't worry, I tweeted Schefter the link to the, uh, to the oh, video. Yeah, to the video. Good. Of Kenny Dillingham.
3: There we go. Do you guys have any quick fixes to make the college football? coach's job easier right now?
2: Is there anything that's obvious yeah, uh, to you? some sort of, of standard uh, a, a salary cap for schools or or some way of leveling that playing field. I mean, this NIL collective literally drove the greatest coach in college football history out of the game. Because Nick Saban's whole recruiting deal was you come to my school, I will make you future millions. Right. Look at my track record. I will make you future millions. Players are like, no. Not future, now. Current millions. Current millions. And and what do you do? If you're Nick Saban, you go, bye. And yeah. so so listen, and, and so you you gotta have a head coach who's gonna embrace all of this weirdness, and that's my takeaway. There was no oh yeah. There was no alibis, there was no looking for excuses from that guy. And he's at a place where Every other coach be behind him has failed. That's what I appreciate. Yeah.
0: I don't think there's any quick fix to answer your question. I don't. Until there's more regulations put on the transfer portal and NIL and it's not resembling the Wild West, there's no there's yeah. no quick fix. Right? Yeah. But I don't see that coming either.
3: Should we wrap this up with a Nick Saban quote? Uh, Bye! Bye! Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. We're all rebooted.
0: Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, we continue. Newsmakers Week 2024. We'll visit with the president and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Derek Hall, here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: Newsmakers
2: Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings, the Arizona Diamondbacks.
0: Yeah, spring training opener tomorrow for the Diamondbacks out at Salt River Fields. A talking stick uh, defending a National League title and here to talk about all of it with us. President and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Derek Hall, rejoins Bickley and Murata Mornings. Derek, good morning. How are you?
4: Good morning, guys. Well, I'm not probable with a nasal fracture, so I'm doing pretty good.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. You would not fit in on the Dallas Mavericks roster, Derek.
4: No kidding. No, doing doing great. And so far, you know, so much energy, so much confidence in this camp. It's really fun to see.
2: So many. uh, And, you know, it's been a long, long time since you guys have come back to spring training as a team that had been in the World Series the previous year. What did it feel like? What kind of reception did you get? It looked fantastic.
4: Yeah, you know, Vic, there were so many fans out here and, and not only the first day, which was a holiday, but the last few days as well. So, I mean, we've, we've seen it, you know, obviously in, in the response for renewals and in ticket sales, there's, there's a lot of optimism out there and, and and there's expectations. And we've got a manager who is saying we're no longer going to talk about expectations. We're only going to talk about standards. And, and I like that because I do think we've we've built the standard and, and developed the standard, but there there still is so much hope and optimism because of what happened last year. Yet, you know, the, the three of us, as we spoke every week, we were highs and lows, and it was a roller coaster. And, and as you know, we went from, you know, 16 games over and having the best record in the NL, even better than the Braves at one point, and then quickly, boom, you know, we're two games below five hundred, and we weren't sure we were even going to make the playoffs. So we sort of backed into the playoffs, and, and it just got magical after that.
0: Mm-hmm. Derek all our guest here uh, during Newsmakers Week, day three on Bickley and morning. Mornings. Uh, obviously, uh, you, you've been talking a lot on a subject uh, that has got some people worried. The stadium issue, I know you and Ken Kendrick spoke about it uh, earlier this week. Uh, there's no plan in place. And we spoke last summer, Derek, and, and you said quite optimistically you hope to have something in place in terms of a plan moving forward in a couple of months. That hasn't happened. We know the lease is up with Chase Field in 2027. I mean, outside of that, is there kind of a deadline, a drop dead date on which the Diamondbacks need to have a plan moving forward for a stadium?
4: Yeah, Vince, can we get back to the World Series question? That was so fun. (laughs) I I, I sure did swing and miss on that date, didn't I? Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think it feels like for three or four or five years, I've been saying we have to have an answer by, you know, mid-season. But we really do because, as you know, the lease expires at the end of 27. And I do think – the sense of urgency starts to diminish or or there isn't one because I, I think those involved in any sort of talks or negotiations with us assume you've still got, you know, three years on the leash. You're okay. And, and that's, that's really not the case. So we've got to know if we're, if we're staying at chase Steel, which is our intention so that we can start to plan to get shoveling ground because we're going to have to go, in in multiple phases, you know, we have so many off season events, whether it's concerts or the bowl games, you know. But but we're going to have to make sure that we phase it out, stretch it out, so that we don't have disruptions in all of those events or in our in our season. So that if there's cranes or if there's work being done, it doesn't in any way risk or disrupt the the fan experience.
2: Yeah, and I'm curious about this too. With how much money you need, as you put it, to, uh, that needs to go under the hood on basic maintenance issues, is Chase Field really the best option for this team going forward?
4: Well, yeah, it's a great question. I, I think if you if you polled our fans, they would probably rather us stay at, at Chase Field. I think there's sentimental value there. I think people are used to it. They 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 love the, you know the the experiences that they've had there and the memories that they've built there. And I get I get all that. There's a huge difference, too, between and you guys said it yesterday, you know, between four to five hundred million dollars versus one point five to one point eight. And that number just keeps going up. Mm -hmm. Um, So for us, I mean, I I think it probably does. But of that four to five hundred million dollars, I would say half of it is infrastructure needs because the building is so old and it's hard to believe it's one of the oldest stadiums now in, in all of baseball. But. But we have to make sure that we bring it up to, you know, state of the art standards and, and standards that Major League Baseball as an entity expects out of their teams and out of their, out of their stadium. So we have a lot to do. Naturally, we want to bring up those premium areas and really improve the overall experience. And yet we keep investing. I mean, this, this year, this offseason, you know, we just put in new LED lights and, and those are fantastic and a new sound system. So, I mean, we keep doing it, but there's so much more that needs to be done.
0: Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, our guest here during Newsmakers Week. Let's go to another fun topic, yeah, Derek. The, uh, the television situation. Obviously, that t- situation changed mid-season last year. I thought everybody involved pivoted uh, very quickly and successfully, but there's not a permanent plan in place for a television partner right now. Can, can you update our listeners on, on what's new with that situation?
4: I, I can, and I, I think we have to have an answer on that this week. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, as early as today, we, we can make – an announcement and we've always had MLB there willing to continue to broadcast our, our games and they did such a good job. They actually increased the number of households that we could reach last year, which is obviously a good thing. We were we've been weighing all of our options this whole offseason. We've talked to OTA over the air um, you know stations and we've had really good conversations. That's always a possibility in the future. We were looking at at the possibility of doing a hybrid of OTA and uh, also linear with, uh, say, MLB or another entity. We, we, we have to have, like, three good options this this offseason. But at the end of the day, I think the, the simplest move for us and the more logical move is just to maybe stay right where we are with MLB. And so we may be, you know, wrapping that up soon. The, the, the great thing about that, the feedback we got from our fans, why they liked MLB, was the blackout was lifted, right? Mm-hmm. So if they were online or if they were streaming they didn't have to worry about any blackout with watching our games here locally. And that's not something we ever had in the past. So we do know if we're with MLB going forward, even, you know, as early as this season fans can still stream or pay a monthly or a full season subscription and not have that blackout. They can watch D-backs games all season long too.
2: Now, you guys always are, are really great at your promotions. I think you took trolling to the next level by giving out replica pennant wings when the Phillies are in town. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah. coincidence. But I'm going to call that pure coincidence. But... <laughs> yeah, oh, pure coincidence. Uh, but it, in a larger degree, uh, the importance of capturing and sustaining this momentum. You guys have rare tailwind. Um, what you guys created with this fan base was organic and real, and it was obvious for everybody to see. Uh, how are you guys? Is going to do that aside from the product down the field or does it all get down to that
4: uh, well great question and and how do we still get our guys focused on forgetting last year and and looking at this year so you know really turning the page and, and our fans as well it's it's difficult as you guys know to get to the the nlcs let alone win it and and uh I'm I'm so proud of that. And I, I got to tell you, personally, you know, I've never been more emotional in my 30-plus years in baseball than when we won game six and seven in Philadelphia. Um, I, I think I was equally as emotional when, Texas won, and we weren't able to get back up on that stage in our yeah. own ballpark. But but that was that was enormous for me. And and it's always our dream to be on stage, to be handed a trophy, which we were. And I can remember going back to the hotel that night. And we had this big, big party and celebration in one of the ballrooms. And, uh, you know, I had my wife. I had one of our adult kids with us. And, and we get off the bus, and I said, hey, you guys go in the ballroom. I'll be right there. And I went up to our bedroom, our hotel room. lights off, sat on the couch and just started bawling. You know, I mean, it's that it's that powerful. So I I understand how much it means to our players and and our fans as well. So we do want to celebrate it. We're going to be doing a lot, Vic. You know, that first weekend, we have a four game series with the Rockies here. And we we normally like to open up on the road, but I'm glad we're opening at home because it's it's really a celebration of what these these young players just accomplished, and for us to be able to to showcase the new banner, you know, for the NL champs out in left field, and then game two where we're going to be able to give the rings out to the players and the coaches in, in a ring ceremony, and we're going to have you know T shirts that weekend as well. And as you said, we have replica rings during the year, so there's plenty of chimes and opportunities for us to to still celebrate it. But we really have to focus on on 2024 as well. And, And we're going to do a good job, hopefully, of balancing both. Well, your
0: focus is on twenty twenty four. I'm looking at the year twenty twenty nine. We know you won't do it, Derek. But can we on your behalf start the Derek Hall for commissioner of Major League Baseball campaign?
4: <laughs> Whatever you think, Ben. I, I'm happy where I'm at and I love it here. And I, I would love to uh I, I would love for us to be talking about another playoff run here soon, regardless of what happens in twenty twenty nine. I'm happy right where I'm at, Benny. All
0: right. Well, we'll we'll take care of the lifting for you. You don't have to worry about it.
2: Oh, I was I was <laughs> pimping this guy for commissioner ten years years yeah, ago. Exactly. It didn't work. Hey, but the job's opening up again,
4: Yeah, you, Yeah, you know what? I, I'd say that was probably another date that I swung and missed that. So we're just going <laughs> to stay right here to join us. <laughs> All right, D. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Derek, thanks so much for, for joining us. I appreciate it. We'll be talking every, every week soon. I can't Fantastic. wait. Yeah,
0: can't wait. Derek Hall, President and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our guest during Newsmakers Week coming up next. We'll take a brief respite from Newsmakers Week. But you're not getting a break. You're getting a blast. The Bickley Fire. blast is next. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.